0: Welcome, everyone, to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I am Mike, your health and wellness coach. And as always, I'd like to take some time to thank you all for choosing to spend the next few minutes of your life with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else. But you chose to tune in to the site Beyond Sight podcast. And for that, I am very, very grateful. And I'm also grateful that you guys stuck around and listened to the last episode, even though I was battling a vicious, vicious head cold. My sinuses were bothering me. I was all plugged up, could barely breathe. I powered through the episode. And I want to thank you guys for the continued support and your understanding. I want to thank you for your flexibility and your patience. And that's what we do as freshwater warriors. We remain steadfast on the path and we uplift those who may be falling a little short while on that path. So with that being said, let's create some freshwater moments. Like I said, I was battling something fierce for the last two weeks and it's been it's been up and down. You know, two weeks ago was that it was worse, and then last week when I was recording, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I should take another week off. But then I said, nope, nope, nope. I'm not trying to get into that habit. I'm just gonna power through. Um, and if it sounds bad, it sounds bad. If it, you know, it's just gonna be what it's gonna be. But the message will be there. The content will be quality, and it will be there. And that, that's what happened. That's what happened. So I sound a little bit better this week, coming on the downside of things. Hopefully, I'm coming on the downside of things with this because I don't want to go through this anymore. Um, I'm just tired of not breathing. That's (laughs) That's the bottom line. I'm tired of being all stuffed up. It's the worst feeling. Not being able to sleep at night. I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking about. And the first thing that people ask, well, are you taking medicine? And at first I was getting offended. Like, of course I'm taking something for it. But then I realized that some people know me. Those of you who know me, I always try to take the most holistic approach to things, to healing. Um, And sometimes if I don't have to use medicine, I don't use medicine. But sometimes it's necessary. I'm not uh, against all medicine. Just because I say that I... And more of a holistic minded person. When I'm coaching people, I coach them with a holistic mindset, taking preventative measures, you know, with your health, being on top of things with your health, being proactive about your health instead of so much reactive. And that's really a mindset that I'm, I'm trying to coach with people. I'm not saying I'm against medicine at all. I'm not that's not the point. I know there are times where medicine is necessary. I know there are times where you just, there's no other alternative but medicine. But I'm talking about the times where there is an option. If there is an option, I'm usually going to see what can happen with the holistic approach. And that's just me. I know there are other people that feel that same way Um, and that's just where we're at. You know, I just, I, here's the thing. Here's my line of thinking. I believe in what the body can do. I believe in the capabilities of the human body. It is the ultimate weapon. It is the ultimate machine. There is no machine that is as complex and as superior as the human body. So I'm trusting those things, but I'm trusting that thing, uh, those, those qualities of the human body. I'm trusting them without a reckless mind. You know, I'm being proactive about my health. So I try to watch what I eat. Now I'll, I'll admit, this last month I've been on a downhill slope, but I'm getting back on it. You know, it's something about when we're busy in our lives, when we think we're super busy in our lives, and we we can't. Um, make time to put our health foremost, first and foremost, when we're struggling to do those things, this is what happens. You know, you fall into those old, old behaviors, those old traps of fast food, fast food, gotta eat on the go. I don't have time to prep my meals. I don't have time to, to cook my meals and have them pre-made. I don't have time for that. Um, I don't have time I barely have time to even eat the meals that I prep. So it's easier just to go to a fast food joint. I don't know if any of you guys have ever felt that way or have ever struggled with that, but that's what I've been going through. Working, coaching, getting to this practice, going to that practice, getting this um getting your normal work done. It was all a grind. It was all a grind. So I fell into the little trap of bad eating, but I said, November 1st, things are going to change. Things are going to change and I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to get my eating back right. I'm going to get back in the gym. I took a little break from the gym because it was just too much. I'll tell you this much. I prefer to work out in the morning, but I know in order for me to do that, I have to be up at four or five in the morning. I'm just not willing to do that simply because I go to bed late sometimes. And if I go to bed at midnight, I'm not trying to wake up at 4 o'clock. That's my simple answer to that. So even though working out in the morning is my preference, it's probably not feasible with right now until I start going to bed a little earlier. Maybe if I go to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock, I can make that work. With that being said, I have to go to the gym in the evenings. And so now my evenings are freed up a little bit more. And now I'm able to do that. And this is where I'm at. I'm telling you guys, it is it is a journey. It's truly a journey. And you're not gonna be perfect all the way through it. But the thing is, is when you do waver, you're not wavering and giving up all hope and going totally to the other side Totally saying, hey, I give up, I don't care about any of this health stuff, I'm done. The thing is, is that you keep the mindset that, you know what, this is temporary. I'm not going to be like this forever. And I have to do whatever it takes to get back on track. And so that's where I'm at right now. I'm doing whatever it takes to get back on track. And I think that's where a lot of you are at right now. You know, the holidays are coming up and... It really gets tough during the holidays, but I'm going to tell you, here's my secret to the holidays. Here's my secret, okay? Instead of going to your relative's house, or maybe your mom or dad's house, your brother or sister's house, wherever you go and you celebrate Thanksgiving, wherever you celebrate the Christmas or the holidays, wherever you go, I never want to be the guy that's saying, oh, man, I can't eat that. Are you seriously going to eat that? Oh, do you know how many calories are in that? Do you know how that's made? Do you know how much fat is in that? I don't want to be that guy. I don't like being that guy. I think it's kind of rude, and I I think it's out of place, really. I think if you felt that way then you should either not go or you should prep your own meal but i think even prepping your own meal i mean how does that look think about that how rude is that you go over to someone else's house <laughs> and they spent all day preparing this meal and then you bust out your own lunch box and you have your your oats and your your grains and your your peanuts and your greens and all these Good, uh, good, healthy foods, right? You bust that out at the table while everybody else is conversating, enjoying the meal, and you're eating your own meal. But while you're eating your own meal, you're thumbing your nose up at everybody else, eating the meal that was prepared for everyone. I mean, I think that's super rude. I really do. That's why I'm not going to do that. That's why... What I do for the holidays, I just worry about portion control. That's it. I know I'm going to eat. I know things aren't going to be the healthiest. I know that. I'm aware of that. So the best thing I can do is control my portions. Get what I'm going to eat the first time and leave it at that. Don't go back for seconds and thirds. Maybe I don't take as much sweet potato pie. Maybe I'll take one slice instead of two. I don't know about you guys, that, that's been a, a a big debate. Sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie? Where I'm from, we're chowing down on some sweet potato pie. I never took a, a liking to pumpkin pie. That's never been my thing, but I mean, it, it's all right. It's a little too tart for me. I like the sweet potato pie. I like the consistency a little better. Uh, I like the sweetness mixed with that golden flaky crust. It's unbeatable to me. It's kind of like that conversation I had with my sister when she was on, (laughs) when she said that she doesn't like sweet tea anymore, which is crazy, crazy to say that. I mean, this woman's from Birmingham, Alabama, saying she don't like sweet tea anymore. Nuts. That's crazy. You're telling me? you prefer the bland unflavored tea yikes yikes i don't know maybe i should put a poll out that's what i'll do on this episode i will attach a poll and it's going to be quite simple pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie and we we will see and it will close up on thanksgiving and we will see what you all say. I think it all depends on where you come from, your region that you're living in. There's so many variables. But it ultimately comes down to your taste. It comes down to your taste, your preference. And my preference is sweet potato pie all the way. But don't be that guy. Don't be rude, going to your family events, thumbing your nose up at what everybody's eating and bring in your own meal and things like that. Now, if you have a strict diet because of medical reasons, do what is necessary. But I'm talking about if you don't have any of those factors, besides you're wanting to watch your figure, you want to keep the gains that you've made, you don't want to splurge on your diet, fine. That's fine, whatever. But don't be rude about it. That's my little holiday spiel that I'm giving out. You know, last episode we said that things were getting hot. Things are getting hot. Things are getting hot. But you know what? I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with it hot. I don't care about it being a little uncomfortable. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable it's a normal position for me. I've been here for quite some time. It's been, an, uh, it's been an experience of mine for quite some time, almost my entire life. Do I like being uncomfortable? No, but I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. It's nothing new for me. And I think that a lot of you freshwater warriors are in the same position. It is, it is nothing new for you to be uncomfortable because you are not walking with the crowd. If you're not walking with the crowd, chances are you're feeling some sort of discomfort. If you're doing things a little bit differently than the majority, chances are you're feeling some kind of pressure and some sort of discomfort. And that's okay. That is a-okay. Once again, stay focused on the path. Remember, we are on a path that many cannot walk. We are on a path that only a few were chosen to lead. And as a freshwater warrior, you are one of the few that has been chosen to lead. Is it easy? Oh, no, it is not easy. Probably, probably one of the most difficult things you'll do. Besides trying to be a parent, a good parent, <laughs> you know, I think being a parent is hard. But I think sometimes we make it more difficult than what it needs to be. But it is. It could be tough, especially trying to change with these times and trying to adapt. That's what I was talking about earlier. We have to be able to adapt and be flexible. And you guys were adapting and you were flexible with me while I was struggling to get these last episodes out because of my illness. When there's a plan A, B and C and D ready and we want our day to go smoothly and something gets out of whack, we have to be able to be adaptable and we have to be able to be flexible. That's just the bottom line. That's part of the way you become comfortable being uncomfortable. You just adapt and you keep it moving. It'll, it'll figure itself out. No need to panic. No need to hit the panic button. No need to stress out. We're fine. We are fine. Just continue to be adaptable and flexible uh, with your scheduling and with your line of thinking, and you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You know, I've said a lot. I've said a lot. And guess what? I haven't even gotten to the topic that I wanted to touch on. I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like I had something something else to say. But I want to tell you guys this. I've been in some interesting, interesting conversations. Uh, over the past couple of weeks. And this one stuck with me. And I felt like this was a conversation that I wanted to have with all of you freshwater warriors. I wanted to give you guys my perspective on it. Now, once again, not all of you will agree. And that's fine. But I just want to give you my perspective on this. And I want to talk a little bit about mental health again. All of you know, that mental health is near and dear to me. And just because I love mental health and it's a passion of mine, doesn't mean that I agree with everything that is going on in mental health. I don't agree with every piece of, uh, of research that comes out with it. I don't always have to agree with it, but I take it in, I see, and I see how to apply it. I see what works, what doesn't, whatever. But we got on the topic of ADHD and that is one area of mental health where I feel the way I feel and it's hard pressing for me to waver on that, you know? (laughs) That's just how it is. This is one area where I feel the way I feel and it's hard for me to waver on it. But I'm going to break down exactly why I feel the way I feel about ADHD. ADHD is uh, one of the most common diagnoses that we have in the field of mental health psychology psychiatry whatever you want to call it we'll just stick with mental health millions and millions of people are diagnosed with adhd adhd is uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder and here i'm gonna get right to the meat and potatoes here's my issue with adhd My problem with ADHD is that it's so easy to diagnose anyone in this world with it. Anyone in this world, I think we all have ADHD, (laughs) you know, to a point, we all have ADHD. We all had to come up with tools on how we're going to remain focused when it comes down to uh, completing an assignment, completing an objective, uh, sitting through a meeting. whether it's a research paper, whether it's a business meeting, whatever, we have to always figure out how to maintain focus. Now, here is where it gets a little gray. I do understand. I I wholeheartedly understand that there are some cases where ADHD, um, when someone is diagnosed with ADHD, they are in need of some medicine to help them. I understand that. I understand that wholeheartedly. I've seen it myself. There there have been students, there have been clients that I've worked with that when they did not have their medicine, they were a totally different being. I understand that. But to me, that is not the majority of the cases. That is my problem with it. I feel like you can diagnose almost anybody in this world With ADHD. I think back to when I was a kid. Heck, I ain't gonna even go back that far yet. Let's talk about now. I mean, let's talk about now. When I'm sitting in a meeting, and that meeting has gone over 40 minutes, I'm looking at the clock like, man, why am I still in here? We have talked for 40 minutes about nothing. I have listened to this same stuff over and over for the past three weeks and we're not getting anywhere fast. Now the meeting goes into three hours, or or two hours, I'll say, two hours, and I'm doodling. If you look at my paper, I've done doodled on something, had some drawings, had some sayings. Maybe I started writing a different writing, or maybe I'm writing out my thoughts, or maybe I'm focusing on something else. Maybe I'm looking at some stats from the previous football game. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not focused on that and tapping my pencil. I'm tapping my feet. I'm ready to move around. I'm ready to stand up and bust out of there. That's me as a grown man in a meeting where I should be able to pay 100% attention to. I should be mature enough to handle that. In fact, I am mature enough to handle it because I'm not bothering anybody else. I'm not being disruptive. I'm doing my own thing. I'm giving my left ear to the, my left ear, which is 30%. (laughs) I'm giving 30% of my attention to the speaker, but I'm giving the rest of my attention to whatever whatever it is I'm writing on my paper, to tapping my pencil or to tapping my feet on the floor but I'm doing all of those things without being disruptive. I think back to when I was younger, going to church. Now, I went to, some of you guys could relate to this. I went to a church where it was like four hours long, three to four hours. We were in church. Now tell me, what kid can hang with that and succeed? What kid is not going to have attention problems or focus problems during that time. But the thing is, the more you do it, the more you learn to cope, the more you learn that, okay, I can do this. I can't yell and scream. I can't just get up and run around like I want to. I'm gonna have to figure this thing out. I'm gonna have to figure out another plan so I don't get in trouble. I don't want the pastor of the church to look at me and call me out. I definitely don't want my grandma to look down on me and call me out. And I for sure don't want my mom who's sitting right next to me to call me out and be upset. I don't want to be the kid that's acting out in church where everybody's looking at me. I didn't want that. But I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. It was going to be an uphill battle. Three hours of focusing. I tell you, it is difficult for anyone on this earth to focus for that amount of time. I don't care if I find it hard for me to even watch a full football game without thinking about something else or doing something else or having my mind occupied somewhere else for some of that time. Whereas I used to be able to just watch three games in a row, and that was it. That was my life. I just watched it nonstop. I was watching football nonstop all day from sunup to sundown, and it was not a problem. But now my attention is a little different. I'm occupied with different things. And I love the sport. I love it. That's something I want to watch. But back to ADHD, my thing is this. In the medical field, they have their job to do, and I get it. But I wish, I wish we would start with the basics. Start with the basics before we go to the extreme levels. So here's what I'm saying, you have a young child come in to you, you have people saying, you know what, this child is having trouble focusing in class, they want to move around, they want to do this, they're not paying attention, for some reason, this this child is struggling to sit crisscross applesauce for eight hours straight, who would have thought that would have been a factor, who would have thought that would have been tough for a kid to do? I wish we would start back with the basics. Let's just get real. School is not set up for young kids. It's not, I mean, the, expect, the expectations that we have for the students in school are outrageous. They're totally outrageous, they're unfair, and they're set up for the child to, fa- to fail. And here's why I say that. What do children want to do when they get up? They want to eat, put something in their belly, and they want to play around. And they want to play from sunup to sundown. They want to move. They want to interact. They want to communicate with their friends. They want to communicate with their older, younger brothers. They want to have fun. They want to go outside. They want to learn to ride their bike. They want to be on their scooter. They want to climb trees. They want to throw leaves. They want to run around. You could probably get them to sit for maybe a half an hour through a cartoon special or something. But then even with that, they want to get up and they want to run around. But what does school say? School says, no, you have to come in here. You have to be quiet. You have to listen. And you have to sit crisscross applesauce on the carpet or in your chair for eight hours straight. And you only get 20 minutes to go outside and play. That's it, that's it. And then you come back in and then guess what you have to do? You have to focus and learn and be quiet and not interact. And heaven forbid they get a little wild at lunch. Those are the only two times during the school day that they have to do anything. So we're asking, you know, 10-year-olds and down to even four-year-olds in preschool to do these things, these very adult-like things every day. And if there's any wavering in it, if there's any kind of lack of uh, behavior that shows lack of focus. If there's any behavior that disrupts the learning environment, that could possibly be easily corrected. But if there's any behavior that is deemed to disrupt the learning environment, then you know what, these kids need medication. I don't know what to do with them. They're so crazy. I don't know what's going on. Kids are just, what's wrong with these kids? They wanna move. Oh, my gosh, they shouldn't want to move. They should be able to focus for eight hours straight with no breaks. Well, minimal breaks. That's what we're expecting them to do at school. That's my problem with the setup of school. And I know it's been like that since the beginning of time. That's how school has been for the beginning of time. But whoever created the foundation for school, the setup for school, had to be an adult because they definitely didn't design it for kids. They did not design school for kids at all. And so we're asking these four-year-olds to 10-year-olds to 12-year-olds to come to school and be mature 30-year-old adults every time they come to school, which is not fair and is setting them up to fail. I want you guys to know that the Site Beyond Site podcast is going interactive. For the third season, each episode that is released, there will be a question or a poll attached to it that you can interact with. So all you freshwater warriors have a platform where you can tell your story, where you can give your perspectives, and you can have conversations with other freshwater warriors. Now, here's the thing you can do this this is only available on spotify you will have to download the spotify app you will also have to look for the site beyond site podcast and once you look for it and find it you will need to follow the site beyond site pod- podcast so you don't miss any future episodes after that any episode that is released during this third season you can click on it and you will see the question that is attached to it and you can go in And you can answer the question, you can tell your story, you can leave messages, and you can go back and forth having these awesome conversations with your freshwater warriors. Also, if you look further into the link, you can still leave a voice message. You can hear your own voice on the site Beyond site podcast. Now, how cool is that? So I am happy that the podcast is going interactive, and I'm happy to see where these conversations lead to. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. we are setting them up to fail. Think about this as an adult. You go work your eight hour shift. What do you get? You get your half hour break and you get your two 15 minute breaks. That's more than what these kids are getting and they need more breaks than we do. We work eight hour days and we get those breaks, right? And we say, that's not enough. We need more breaks. We need more time. We need more time to unwind and you look at some of these more uh, progressive businesses, they have all these things readily available for adults to get the time that they need to get the time that they need to stand up and move around to go interact with their peers to go eat lunch in peace without having to rush. but we cannot give that to these kids. See, this is my problem with ADHD, is that we're not even giving the kids the basics while they're at school or while they're at any kind of daycare or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever. I don't know how every daycare is designed, but hopefully they're a little bit more uh, kid friendly than the school setup. And I'm not against school. I work in a school. I've worked in education. I've worked in social work. I'm not against school. I just don't think the setup is conducive to a kid learning. We are just drilling work, 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 work into these kids. Work and don't get out of line. Work and you better stay still. Work, don't say anything. Work, you better not communicate to your peers. Sit down. We get to the point when we get out at recess, we try to tell them how to play. And that's just not the way it should be. That's just my perspective. That's not the way it should be. So when we say, what are we saying when a child has ADHD? What are we saying? I mean, did we really give them a fair shot? Did we really give them a fair shot to be focused and that is my problem with the diagnosis. That is my problem. I think it sometimes it's misdiagnosed because I think you can give anybody that diagnosis. I really do. I think there are times where, it, like I said before, there are times where it's totally necessary, totally necessary. Maybe there's other factors that's going on with this child or, or, or even adult. Maybe there's other factors that's going on and that's fine. That's fine. But I think for the other millions of people, I think we got to go back down to the basics instead of saying, you know what, here's your issue. Here's some meds. Let's see if this works. Okay. How about this? How about this? How about we say, you know what, what other strategies can we use? What can we use um, to get this kid to be, get the, uh, the movement that he needs so he can reset and be focused again? and move forward what can we do and my thing is this one I think okay school is so long but that's not going to change so if school is this long then I think that we could honestly be way more productive by giving these children more time to play that's where the real learning comes in especially at this age if I I'll tell you what If I can teach a three-year-old to share by the time he's six, man, I'm winning. If I can teach a four-year-old how to talk things out, how to have a different perspective and be okay with that, how to start problem solving without hitting or yelling and screaming. If I can teach a four-year-old that before they're six, we're winning. If I can start giving a seven-year-old strategies on how to remain focused or things that he can do or she can do uh, while while they're kind of wound up, that's not going to be disruptive to the class. If I can teach them strategies at six, seven, or eight, we're winning. I just don't think that pounding out academics 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 every day for eight hours a day and not giving them an opportunity to be kids is going to be effective but i think you're going to get a more effective environment for learning when you let kids be kids if you teach them about life things life situations problem solving resolving issues resolving conflict sharing What it's like to be a good Samaritan? What it's like to be a helpful uh, classmate? What it's like to be selfless instead of selfish? If you can teach those things at an early age in a classroom environment, you are going to win. You're going to win. You know why? Because now you've created an environment where everybody's trying to help out. So now if if there's a a, a child that's dysregulated in the classroom, guess who's there to help them? Guess who's going to help them? Not the teacher. It's going to be the classmates. Why? Because they created an environment that is about being selfless. That's about being helpful about let's work together. And the classmates are going to say, Hey, Joey, what is it that you need? What is it that you need? Hey, why don't we do this? Oh, you know what? How about we all just take a five minute break, we move around, we do something, and then we get back and we collect our thoughts. The class will do that. And if the teacher is attentive, they would do it too. See, part of it is being proactive. If if the teacher sees that a student is becoming dysregulated and they know kind of what it is, you could be ahead of that and you could say, you know what, class, guess what? You guys, one, we're going to take a break. We're going, we're going to, you know, dance around for five minutes. And then after that, you can play a little game or you can go to, you know, the corner and talk with your friends about something and then come back and then we'll start over, okay? We'll continue with our lesson. And this is what I'm talking about. People think that, man, if I give them five breaks like this a day, plus recess, plus, you know, their lunchtime. We're not gonna get any learning done. They're not gonna score high on their tests. And it's quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. How much do you think they're really retaining when we teach students like this? Young students, how much are they truly retaining? So that's my issue with it. I think there are so many other things that can be done before we get to the point of being diagnosed with ADHD. And guess what? Those little breaks are, are timed for the teacher, the instructor to rejuvenate themselves and press that reset button. But I'm telling you, we, we have it backwards with how we teach these kids. I think we need more breaks for them. I mean, like I said, the adults, we talk about how many breaks we need. And we're more equipped to handle this. We're way more equipped. We have so many more tools in our toolbox. We have different experiences. We have the knowledge. We have the education. We have all of these things to help us get through this time, this eight hour grind, and yet we need more breaks. So if we need more breaks, then these children need twice as much as we do. I just don't think you have to diagnose people, children, adults with ADHD right away all the time. I just don't think so. I think there's so many other things that we can do. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Ultimately, what I'm saying is this. The structure of school is going to promote ADHD. And that's just what it is. And that's my issue with it. And I just think that if we were flexible, if we were adaptable, if we took a step back to, to listen and to put this thing into perspective on what these kids may be going through and how difficult a day of school is for them. And I'm just talking about it. I'm talking about just school. I'm not talking about the outside factors that they might be going through. Oh, I'm not talking about, I haven't even talked about that yet. School might be the least of their worries. I work in an area where a lot of these children don't know where their next meal is going to come. I work in an area where a lot of these children may not have a steady home. And newsflash, this isn't just for, you know, the, the, the poor people. This isn't just happening to the poor people or the poor areas. This is happening Everywhere. Everywhere. I don't care if you're in the rich neighborhood and go to the rich school that, you know, is has all the good grades, has all the money, whatever. They are going through similar stuff too. This stuff is everywhere because the structure remains the same everywhere you go. But yeah, haven't even tapped into the real life stuff that these children are going through. So we're asking them, to be adults about not having a steady home and not having steady meals. So we're asking them to be adults about that. Then we have them come through the doors, the front doors and they go to their classroom. And for eight hours of the day, we're asking them to be adults. We're asking kids to be adults. And when they fall short, we become frustrated and then we say, you know what, there's a problem. We have all these meetings with these families and we're telling them how their kid has all these issues with focusing. Maybe they should be looked at. Maybe they need a little extra help. And we don't stop to think that we are that extra help and we are the ones who can help. We could do that by changing how we, how we, operate. We can do that by how the classroom operates. We can change that. So I'm all for more recess. I'm all for five, six breaks in class. I'm all for that. I think it's necessary. I'm telling you, there's so much to learn in life. And I think if you have a good foundation at an early age, of what it means to be selfless what it means to be a helper what it means to see beyond yourself what it means to share what it means to be kind what it means to be helpful to someone what it means to to be a good friend and listen if i can teach a young kid that i think they have the strongest foundation in the world already so if their foundation is set with those things learning their abcs learning to add Learning how to construct a sentence, learning how to read research papers is gonna be easy. It's gonna be easy. Why? Because their foundation is rock solid. Rock solid. We're missing out on the life aspect of this. We're missing out on life, um, life lessons. Am I against the school? No, am I against education? No, no, I'm quite for education. I mean, I owe Uncle Sam a a whole heap of money for my education. So yes, I am all for education, all right? I'm all for it. However, I think the structure when it comes to children, elementary children, I'm gonna just say it is wrong. They're set up to fail. They are set up to fail, and I think that if we did change this, then ADHD, those being um, treated for ADHD that would that would change that would fall. And then the kids would say, "Oh, you know what? you know what i'm I'm not a bad person because I want to move around. I'm not a nuisance in the classroom because I want to move around." This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm telling you, that's what I see, and that's what I believe. I, that is my my issue with ADHD. It's too easy to diagnose anybody with it, and it's like, how do you, how do you how do you get past that? What do they do? Do they test you? Do you have to go sit in a room for? eight hours and if you pass the test, if you're able to sit in that room for eight hours without twitching or wanting to get up or sign or doodling on paper or tapping your pencil or tapping your feet under the table, if you can get past that, then you don't have ADHD anymore. Is that how it's done? It's like, get real, no, we all have it. We just have found different ways to cope and that's what it is. That's what it is. I'm telling you, I, w- I want to fill myself in a, in, a, in a meeting. And you will see, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. Let me be in that meeting for 45 minutes. Let me be in that meeting for over an hour and just watch what I'm doing. Watch how focused I am. Watch how I struggle to focus. And I'm an adult. I have a whole bunch of resources. I have a whole bunch of tools in my tool belt. And it is still difficult for me. I mean, heck, my education is in this. And I still struggle. I think a lot of us are in that same boat. But I've talked on that enough. I just think we need to change the structure. I think we need to change our expectations. I think we need to go back to the basics and let kids be kids. That's ultimately what I'm saying with this. Kids need to be kids. If we expect a a six-year-old to have the same resources and to have the same stamina as a 30-year-old, then they're always gonna fail. If we expect a kid to come to school and be quiet for seven hours, They're always going to fail. If we come with these expectations for children to sit and be focused for eight hours a day, they have been set up to fail. Kids need to be kids and we need to give them a break. But most of all, we need to give them a foundation, help, well, not give them, but help provide them with the foundation, help teach them these different life skills, these different interaction skills, these different physical skills. If we teach them these things, these thoughtful skills, you know, if we teach them these things, they're going to be all right. And you, you develop these, school, these skills by playing. By interacting with other students. That's how you develop these skills. You don't develop the skill set of sharing by pounding out your ABCs. You're not going to get that. But I'll tell you what, you let them play. You let them play and you watch them. You set the standard, you set the boundaries, you set the expectations and you watch them and everybody knows this and you correct them. Then you start to let them correct themselves. And I'm telling you, this classroom will be dynamic. You will have a classroom full of helpers. You will have a classroom that's going to regulate themselves. You're going to have a classroom that's going to hold each other to uh, the high standard. You're going to have a classroom that where the students are expected to meet the standard. And you don't have to do that as an instructor. You don't have to yell at it, yell at them. You don't have to shout it out. They will do it themselves. And I've seen it done. I've seen it done. We're so wrapped up in the individual that we forget about the group. We forget about group work, we forget about the whole tribe. Because we're so worried about the individual. And sometimes we're more worried about ourselves than the the tribe that we're trying to teach. But if our focus was always on the group, what's best for the group? What's going to make this group thrive? What's going to make this group come together? What's going to make this group uh, excel? If we keep thinking like that and we put things in place where they are working as a group, where they are operating as a group, where they understand that what what one individual does impacts the entire group. Once they understand that, man, they'd be dynamic, a dynamic class to be in to watch them work. Their work will be way more efficient. They'll be way more attentive. Even if it's in shorter spurts, they will be attentive and they will retain that information You would have a class that was like no other, which is unfortunate because every class should be like this. This should be the norm. This should be the norm for every classroom across the nation. This is why I go back to football. Football is the ultimate team sport and You have a group of guys, a group of individuals with individual goals, individual talent levels, individual skill sets, individual personalities. And you have to figure out how to set the tone where you list out your expectations and your guidelines, and then you put it on their players to uphold them. You put it on the players to regulate themselves. You put it on the players to build their culture. You put it on the players to be the leaders where they're not relying solely on you as the coach or the instructor to make every decision about discipline, about what to do next, about how we're supposed to do this, about what the expectations are for this team. You as a coach, you set that standard, you you set that standard high and you keep it high. And then all you have to do is make sure that you set it up, that the group is working together and then eventually the group will uphold all those expectations and keep those expectations high themselves. Then all you have to do is just coach, that's it. And that's a beautiful feeling when that happens. And it's no different than working in the classroom. Setting that standard, keeping it high, teaching the kids how to be selfless, teaching the kids how to share, teaching the kids how to work through their problems, teaching the kids to be problem solvers, teaching the kids on how to communicate, teaching the kids how to do all of these things. And when you do, you can sit back and all you have to do is teach. You don't have to worry about the disciplinary, uh, disciplinary action because they will check themselves. You don't have to worry about someone getting out of line or, you know, having to intervene in every dispute because they will check themselves. Then all you have to do is sit back and teach. That is what my dream is for every classroom. That's all I ever wanted. That's all I ever think about is how can we make this better? What are we doing wrong? And it's not that education is filled with bad people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this whole structure from that was developed from the beginning of time. Maybe we need to address this. Maybe we need to take another look. Maybe we need to stop saying this is how it's always been done. It's been done like this for a thousand years now. So we have to keep it the same. No we don't have to. We don't have to. Just like times have changed. And we we had to adapt and be flexible with the times. I think in education, it's time for us to do the same be adaptable and change with the times. So if you're a teacher an educator, especially with the young ones. Hey, I understand your job is not easy. It's not an easy job. It's not for everyone. Just like for Freshwater Warriors, the path that we're on is not for everyone. However, let's continue to look in the mirror and see what we can change. Maybe we can't change the whole system right now, but you can take control of your own classroom. You can take control of what's going on in your building. You can control what you can do. And if we keep looking in the mirror, we can say, you know what? How can I change to make this better for the students? How can I change? And in reality, if you make it better for the students, you're going to make it better for yourself. And that's all I'm trying to say. With that being said, I have said a mouthful. (laughs) I have said a mouthful. But I want you guys to know that My passion is always going to be my passion. My passion is always going to be education. My passion is always going to be mental health. My passion is always going to be coaching. And I love that each and every one of you, I want everyone to be able to operate at their optimum levels. That's the whole goal is to give the tools and the resources to everyone to be able to operate at their optimum levels. Reduce the stress in their lives. Increase their health, take out all the riffraff, <laughs> you know, toss all that out, bring in uplifting people in their corner, teach them how to constantly assess themselves by taking true assessments of themselves by looking in the mirror so we can evolve as a person and keep moving forward. I know that's what all you freshwater warriors are doing frequently. You guys are always doing that. That's why you are a freshwater warrior, because you are not afraid to do what most people on this earth is afraid to do. You are not afraid to look in the mirror and say, you know what, maybe this might need to change. Maybe I can do this differently. If I do this differently, then I can lead on this path way better than what I'm doing right now. Sometimes you're going to look in in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm fine where I'm at. I'm good. But how can I keep getting better? What can I do differently to get better? I think I'm getting all the big stuff right. But what's something I can tweak to enhance where I'm at right now? See, once we stop looking in the mirror, thinking that once we stop looking in the mirror, we stop evolving. Once we, if we keep in that mindset that man, when I look in the mirror, all I see is flaws and I don't want to see my flaws. I want to be perfect. If we stay in that mind frame, we're always going to be in the same mind frame, if not worse. Look in the mirror. Looking in the mirror is not a total bad thing. Yes, sometimes it's gonna be a little bit difficult to look in it, but we know that we can rejoice because what we're looking at, that image that we're looking at, is temporary because we're not gonna stay there for long. So I encourage you guys to keep looking in the mirror. I encourage you guys to keep evolving as freshwater warriors and leaders. I encourage you guys to continue to uplift those around you and i for sure encourage you guys to remember that we are in the business of healing and not hurting and remember to be the fresh water that heals in a salty environment and with that being said until we meet again my friends